0: I used to live on 15th Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue in New York City. Every Sunday, without fail, I'd walk down to 1st Avenue and go to David's Bagels. I'd wait on an absurdly long line to get a pretty good bagel and an awful cup of coffee, pay in cash, which sometimes came with a $4 surcharge from the ATM in the corner of the bagel shop because I'd get to the front of the line and forget the credit card machine was always broken. Then sprint home to my apartment to eat my bagel while it was still hot. A lot of the time, probably more than half of the time, when I opened up the bag back at my apartment, it didn't have the bagel I'd ordered. Man, I love David's bagels. Today, we're going to talk about psychology, choice, and how to build your brand around the decision process of your customer. And most importantly, about why the heck I was so devoted to a bagel shop that basically treated me like crap. This is the Idea to Start a Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. I'm Brian Scordato, and it is so good to be back. We've got a full season coming your way, our third overall If you're new, feel free to head back to season one. Every episode is evergreen. We put a lot into them. They're great. We've got a few changes for season three. The biggest one is we won't have any more splashy, famous founder interviews. I enjoyed them. I learned a lot. I'm thankful to the founders for coming on. But honestly, our shows just weren't that much different from all the other shows that interview startup founders. If you want that, check out How I Built This or basically any other startup podcast. I couldn't in good faith keep preaching about differentiation week in and week out while putting out a podcast that wasn't differentiated. I don't want to be the cobbler whose son has no shoes. I want to be the cobbler whose son has a fresh pair of Nikes. So no more splashy guests. We'll lean on two themes for season three. First, the most tactical things we've learned taking hundreds of idea stage startups through the earliest stages of building a business at Tacklebox. That's our unique value. That's what we do better than anyone. And second... We're going to focus on unique niche businesses, founders who have built something crazy meaningful by catering vertically to a super tight audience, people who run businesses they never tried to grow horizontally, but businesses that are the most important thing in the lives of a relatively small group of customers. These customers usually end up paying them a ton. The margins are high, the acquisition costs are low, turnover is low, and the businesses are tremendous. This is fascinating stuff. These are the types of businesses that you can build with like two or three other people. We've got everything from bonsai clipping to body movement training and more. And the last change for season three, all of my episodes are going to be 12 minutes long or less. So I got to wrap up this intro and get us back to bagels. If you've got a startup idea and a full-time job, our next virtual accelerator program starts October 28th and you should apply at gettacklebox.com if you're interested. It's great to be back for another season. I hope you're all happy and healthy, and let's get back to bagels. There are two types of people in this world. Well, there are two types of people in the six-block radius that surrounds David's Bagels in the East Village in New York City, where I used to live. David's people and Bagel Boss people. And the rivalry is fierce. Bagel Boss is the nearly identical bagel store that is literally two storefronts down from David's. They're so close that you can spit from the line that forms outside David's to the line that forms outside Bagel Boss. I'm told some people have. Everyone has an opinion. No one goes to Bagel Boss sometimes and David's other times. This is tribal. This is the House Lannister and House Stark of the East Village bagel scene. So which bagel shop is better? I'll swear up and down it's David's, but I've been given Bagel Boss bagels by a friend pretending they were David's and I honestly couldn't tell the difference. The point is that practically, there is no difference. They're both pretty good bagel shops and they're on the same block. So why does this matter? Because I care deeply about a bagel place. And for anyone who makes and sells stuff, that's a big deal. Let's break it down and figure out why. It all starts with humans and how humans make decisions. It can be tempting for entrepreneurs to zoom out and think about your customer as a group of people at the top of an acquisition funnel. You can grab them through Facebook ads or newsletter placement or in real life if when you're listening to this or out of COVID, but it's usually more effective to think of your customers in terms of unit economics, one customer at a time. What's the most likely path of one of your customers as they circle the decision you want them to make and how do they feel during that process? What are the other factors in their mind at that moment and what other options do they have and how do they frame those options? In my case, my David story goes back to the first ever weekend I was in my apartment. It was 2014 and I might've celebrated moving into my new place a little bit too aggressively. I woke up groggy and hungry around 10 a.m. and I distinctly remember texting a friend who already lived in the area, what should I do for breakfast? He replied, if you want a bagel and you like bacon, egg, and cheese, definitely go to David's. It's right next to this other place, Bagel Boss, but David's has better bagels and Bagel is kosher, so no bacon, egg, and cheese. I didn't want a bacon, egg, and cheese, but I still went to David's, and I've never turned back. Dan Ariely wrote a great book called Predictably Irrational. I'll pop it in the show notes and you should read it, where he talks a lot about the choices humans make and how predictable they actually are if you know what you're looking for. My decision process to land at David's is pretty typical of how humans make decisions. First, and maybe most importantly, we do not want choices and we do not want to make decisions. Choices create anxiety and they're demotivating. This is why last weekend you scrolled through Netflix and HBO for 20 minutes before you just watched another episode of Parks and Rec. You'd rather watch something safe than make the wrong decision out of a lot of possible decisions because you recognize there's probably a great decision for you out there somewhere and your opportunity cost feels high of choosing the wrong movie. You tell yourself you can't go wrong with Parks and Rec, so decisions avoided. So how do people make decisions? Let's go back to Dan. Here's a quote. Humans rarely choose things in absolute terms. We don't have an internal value meter that tells us how much things are worth. Rather, we focus on the relative advantage of one thing over another and estimate value accordingly. Basically, we don't process value well. It's tricky for me to directly compare a bagel shop to an upscale sit-down brunch, a breakfast burrito, a diner, and cooking eggs and bacon at home. I can't compare two movies if I haven't heard of them, and they're a 68 and a 74, respectively, on Rotten Tomatoes. But it's easy for me to compare David's and Bagel Boss. They're both bagel shops, and David's has bacon, egg, and cheese. Done. I'm conditioned to choose between two easily comparable choices, and these literally could not be any more straightforward. I'll do whatever I can to get to that type of an easy decision, and if the decision doesn't fit in that framework, I'll ignore it. I was a David's guy from the first text, even though I'd never tried the bagels, and that meant that whenever I had a decision to make Sunday morning, it wasn't amongst a bunch of choices I couldn't easily compare. It was David's because it's better than Bagel Boss, so I'm making a good decision. When I walked by Bagel Boss to get to David's, it reinforced an easy and good decision I was making. For David's customers, David's is more attractive because Bagel Boss exists. Same for Bagel Boss. The other existing sets up the relativity we all need to make a decision easy that we feel good about. I've always wondered if the two bagel places hate each other or if they secretly realize that their existence drastically increases the value of each. If I get real conspiracy theory e maybe they're both owned by the same people? But why did I love David so much? Why the passion? I spoke with a friend of mine a few weeks back who's a highly respected behavioral scientist. He mentioned that a lot of marriages were losing their spice during COVID. His words, not mine. He said the reason was decision reinforcement. When you're in a relationship, you're subconsciously choosing the person you're with over everyone else you meet every day. You're interacting with lots of people and then coming home to your specific person, continually reinforcing that your decision to be with them was the right one. Without the other people, we aren't making that reinforcing decision as often. The same thing happens with David's. Reinforcing decisions are critical to my affinity to the brand. I choose David's every Sunday and started to have an emotional connection to it, not because of anything at David's, but because if I'm making that decision that frequently, my brain needs to think it's a good one. I wouldn't continually make a bad decision, right? So my affection compounds. Relationships with people or brands are based on choosing that person or brand over a bunch of other options repeatedly. In the immortal words of my dad, words I've probably quoted 25 times on this podcast already, that's all cool, Brian, but what's it got to do with the price of beer? Why should you care about this? Because while Bagel Boss and David's are set up perfectly to coax customers into choosing one of them, it won't happen this nicely for you. You'll need to choreograph and facilitate the first decision your customer makes to hopefully kickstart a cycle of loyalty. There are three things to think of. I think of them as the bagel rules. First... Frame your product in a way that it's simple for the customer to choose. Make the relative value clear. If a real estate agent wants to sell you a $500,000 Victorian house, they'll show you another $500,000 Victorian house with a kitchen that needs renovation and a $600,000 colonial. The colonial has no relative value against the other Victorians, but there's clearly one Victorian that's better than the other. So you'll choose that one and feel good about the decision. They frame the decision in a way for you that made your final decision obvious. Second, lower the bar for the first decision your customer will make. Create a scenario where the customer will be crazy to not interact with you. This will create opportunities for your customer to choose you repeatedly and reinforce that first decision. Third, understand the decision flow and swim upstream. Understand all the decisions your customer makes leading up to the decision that you want to impact, know which ones come first, know which ones are most important, and then focus on those. Let's say you've got an idea for B2B HR software. It'll make onboarding much smoother and instill a culture and values that'll decrease turnover in any company you work with. The metric you're after is lower turnover, and the method is an HR onboarding program. So you might start cold emailing people in HR. You tell them that you're going to help decrease turnover with a new onboarding system. Think about the decision from HR's perspective. Sure, turnover is bad and they'd like to minimize it, but what are they comparing you to? What's their process for hiring and onboarding people now? It's probably made up of various types of software, in-person or Zoom interviews, a hiring and complex onboarding process that consists of hard-coded pieces, maybe some flexible ones, maybe different processes based on different teams. There's no way for them to be able to gauge what type of impact you can create because you're not framing the decision as digestible at all. So they won't respond to your cold email then you'll wonder, why don't I get any responses to my emails? The answer is decision framing. What you need to do is think about their process. Maybe the first thing they do when they're hiring for a new position is write a job post. This might land on HR's shoulders, and it might be frustrating. If your first email talks about your company's goal of decreasing turnover through onboarding, and then you say that it all starts with the language in the first job posting, and you'd love to give a new job post they've written in audit, the decision becomes a lot easier for them to digest. It's classic foot in the door, but we usually think about this for bigger companies. It's required for startups too. Zoom in with the specific details on the current process, then give an easy one-for-one swap with clear value that you can use to get your foot in the door. Hopefully, this will create loyalty that will compound. When your customer doesn't know you and has no understanding of your brand, specificity will create trust. Vague, broad value will create indecisiveness. Indecisiveness is the killer in the startup world. Find the bacon, egg, and cheese that'll make the first decision easy, then continue adding value to make the value compound. Now let's finish the podcast with why I don't go to David's anymore. There's a brisk fall Sunday in 2017. I asked a friend if they wanted to go to David's for breakfast. They responded, have you heard about black seed bagels? They just opened up on 11th Street and they've got Stumptown Coffee. Suddenly, there was a decision to make. My loyalty to David's and my irrational hatred for Bagelboss were on one side, and amazing coffee was on the other side. The last thing we'll talk about today are categories. The first time a customer hears about you, they'll search for clues about what category they can dump you in so they don't have to think about you anymore. We always want to be able to say, oh, this is just one of those. We don't want to create any new files in our mental filing cabinet if we can help it. That gives us relativity. It lets us easily compare the new thing against all the other things in that file. I'd never heard of Blackseed, but I'd certainly heard of Stumptown. It was my favorite coffee. At the time, it was kind of just for coffee snobs, and if we're being honest, that was kind of aspirational for me. My brain filed Blackseed into the, quote, thoughtful breakfast category, a step above David's and Bagel Boss, solely because of the name drop of Stumptown. So now my decision was lower class or higher class. Was it time for me to graduate to higher quality? The answer was yes, and I've never looked back. Owning the category conversation with your customer is critical. Make sure you create triggers that put you in the right group. Aligning yourself with something specific that'll get customers to put you in that group can work wonders. I like David's more because Bagel Boss existed. It helped me create relativity around a complex decision. But Blackseed ultimately won the Sunday breakfast battle by entering the conversation with delicious coffee, which turned out to be the most important foot-in-the-door decision. Big takeaway here is this stuff doesn't happen by accident. People make decisions based on the inputs in front of them. Thoughtfully designing the environment in which your customer makes those decisions is as important, if not more important, than the product itself. Nobody cares how good your bagels are if they're down the street sipping stump down. This is the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and a full time job, head over to gettacklebox.com and apply for the next accelerator program starting October 28th. We'll figure out what your Stumptown coffee is for your customer. And if you've got a question about whether your idea is worth pursuing or not, email me at brian at gettacklebox.com. I'm holding 10 20-minute slots next week dedicated to talking through people's ideas with them. Email me. We'll schedule some time. We'll get into it. Have a great week.